Hey, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a place dedicated to the powerful web words weave and the deep layers they uncover. Here you'll find a compilation of tips, tricks, and words of wisdom from writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Basically, cool people doing cool things in the world and how they've used words as weapons of mass creation and inspiration. You'll also hear from me, your host, Louise Johnson. I'm a former marketing maven in New York and Switzerland. I left a lucrative job to follow my dream of becoming a writer. It's a never-ending journey, so I figured we should all be in it together. I've learned a lot along the way, but it's a constant evolution. My favorite part is how little by little, letters turn into words, words become sentences, sentences become paragraphs, and before you know it, you've created something from nothing. And whenever that happens in life, it's nothing short of magic. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine, and let's dive into today's chapter. Welcome back to the Word Weaver podcast. You're listening to chapter four. And today is an interview with my first male guest. It's my boyfriend, Jeff. I roped him into coming onto the podcast today to talk about the differences and the difficulties in dating somebody in a non traditional job like a writer. He's also lived an unconventional life, and I love the way that he's handled those experiences and how he continues to navigate the world. It's really impressive to me and I think that some of his words of wisdom could be of benefit to others. Jeff grew up in Halifax playing very high-level hockey. He played junior A, but when a career in the NHL didn't pan out, he went to school, got a business degree from St. Evex, and he graduated from St. Mary's University. Then he went into the corporate world and attempted to become a pilot, which he will talk about. He also became a professional golf caddy on the web.com tour. And he is also a semi-professional poker player. He wouldn't call himself semi-professional, but he plays twice a year in the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas and the World Poker Tour uh, once a year in Montreal. I have to be honest, when we first started dating, the poker thing threw me off. I had visions of this sketchy card shark surrounded by a cloud of smoke, sitting around a table with all of these dodgy characters in like a gangster's basement. And while I definitely do still think of him as Matt Damon in Rounders, it's just one small facet of him that I now find really fascinating. He has an incredible ability to read people, and it's all about strategy and math, which is definitely not my forte. He's always been a skilled strategist from the way he read the ice in hockey to how he picked clubs and read the green in golf to reading people and cards in poker. I'm excited for you to get to know him a little bit more, and I do think that he can shed some light on what it's really like to be in a relationship with somebody who is a writer, because we are definitely strange creatures. But to quote The Breakfast Club, we're all pretty bizarre. Some of us are just better at hiding it, that's all. I had a way with words for a while. Jeffrey Scott Hum, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast. Thank you for being my first male guest. How do you feel about being here? Excited. <laughs> well, why don't you start us off with setting the scene? Where are we right now and what are we doing? We're currently sitting at your apartment, drinking some Coronas, having some crackers and cheese, awaiting a delicious dinner at one of our favorite restaurants on our two-year anniversary. I think that was my attempt to better you up and try to rope you into doing this podcast before we go to dinner. I will say before we start, I know you're a private person 
You don't need any external validation or praise, so I really appreciate you doing this for me. Are you so reluctant to be doing this right now? Absolutely not. Why don't you explain briefly how we met two years ago? My best friend from Halifax, a girl you went to school with, both got married. When Cam called me when I was living in Halifax at the time and said he got engaged, obviously, you know, I was single at the time. And, and the first question I had asked was, well, is there going to be any single girls at this wedding? He gave me, uh, you know, a, a top five of sorts. And the first name out of his mouth was, was yours, Louise. So obviously, you know, as most guys would do, we, we go on social media and, and I searched you on Facebook and um, had a very hipster looking profile. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I did some research as any you know good writer does as you know and then we met obviously at the wedding. I can I can still remember I saw you come in in this gorgeous red dress. Naturally I said, okay, well there's Louise. I know that from my research. So yeah, that's that's the originally how we met. I originally asked, you know, do you want to hang out sometime? You know, this was like after multiple glasses of wine. You know, the, the liquid courage was certainly there, and I had asked, you know, do you want to hang out sometime? And for some reason, you took this as a, a request to, like, have a group hang. And any guy out there knows, like, <laughs> you ask a girl if they ever want to hang out. It's not like, hey, let's play Crazy Eights with seven of your best friends kind of thing. The message is pretty clear, I thought. You know, you said, sure, yeah, let's, uh, we'll, we'll get everyone together and, and we'll hang out. And I just kind of had this, like, what? <laughs> reaction the next day after the wedding again as i'm sure many guys can relate to this uh, i get on facebook and i write a you know, a private message saying thought you were great you know what you want to hang out sometime you know this time maybe a little more direct and not a group hang but more like let's have dinner sometime and i guess the rest is history <laughs> yep we went out four days after you sent that message and here we are now celebrating our two-year anniversary i thought it was really cute he picked me up in his car and the conversation obviously flowed really well, but my favorite part was that at the end of the night, he walked me all the way home. He got these huge blisters and he pretended to go into a 7-Eleven to pick up a pack of gum, but he actually bought two newspapers because I'd published a little thing in the Toronto Star that day and we had to get the newspaper right before it hit midnight. So that was kind of like a cheesy newspaper cinderella moment also just to clarify the part where you asked me to have a group hang you just moved from halifax and you were talking about how you didn't know anybody so i took it as oh he, this guy needs friends he just moved here he's looking to hang out with all like the bride and groom and me so i was like yeah of course i didn't really realize that he was being explicit and asking me on a date you also conveniently forgot to leave out the part at the wedding where you hopped over three seats in the limo and just squished me against the door handle and didn't say anything. So I was a little taken aback when I got your message the next day. I was like, that guy didn't even really talk to me. But anyway, our first date was obviously a huge success. I'm curious to know, though, what you thought when I told you I was a writer. I didn't actually know what you did. Um, I, I remember you know, back to the wedding, I remember, I remember asking, uh, yourself and, and your friend Kayla, we were in kind of like a, a little circle and I said, you know, what, what do you do? And she piped in and says, Louise has a bit of everything. So that was something I was like, okay. Well, and then, you know, you kind of went on and said, you used to do some marketing in New York and Switzerland. And now you're working in Toronto, but you know, I, I think I could tell that your, your passion was in writing and, and that was something that you really wanted to do. 
Yeah, I remember even back then you asked great questions about it and you seemed to be really interested. You didn't just brush it off as this side hobby, which I really loved about you. And then ever since then, you've been super supportive of all of my writing endeavors, which I think stems to the fact that you've also had a non-traditional career path. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's always easier to relate to somebody uh, and understand what they're going through when you've gone through it yourself. So I was, you know, not in, I wasn't, I certainly didn't try and become a writer by any means. Back in 2014, uh, I actually left a corporate job in Halifax to to try and become a pilot. And, and similar to Louise's story or your story, I, I tried to do both at the same time. I, I tried to go through the process of becoming a pilot while at the same time, you know, working a corporate job similar to yourself. There's something about trying to do a corporate job on the side while your mind is always wandering off to another world mm-hmm. in that you can't like focus or be productive at anything, whether it's your, uh, in my case, trying to become a pilot or in your case, trying to become a writer. There was always uh, in the back of your mind the saying, you know, why am I doing this when I could be focusing more of my attention on something else? Unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, depending on which way you could look at it, uh, I, I didn't succeed. And, and back here I am in the corporate world, but I, I, I certainly understand the the steps of the struggles of both making the big decision as well as, you know, different parts of the process, having, you know, little feedback and not knowing where you're at in the process is, uh, is certainly a frustration that. Uh, and then how did you handle people asking in that time, what are you doing for work? What do you do? Cause that's such a common question that everybody asks right off the bat. Did that make you uncomfortable? There's always <laughs> friends or family or family friends who are asking, you know, so, so what are you up to now? Or what are you doing with your life? And, and it's not really a concrete answer because uh, in my case, I was saying, well, I'm trying to become a pilot. And they would say, oh, how's that going? And, and in reality, you don't know. You know, there's different stages of, you know, physicals and testing and stuff like that that you're at. But, you know, the stages of that could be two months. It could be four months. It could be six months. It could be a year. So, I mean, with within that time period, it, it actually allowed me to do a lot of the things that I really wanted to do, but didn't have the freedom to do. So, you know, one example was that I got to caddy on, you know, a professional golf tour, which is the web.com tour, which for anyone not who doesn't know, it's kind of like the farm team to the PGA tour. So I got to travel a lot in the U.S. and you know, see some amazing golf courses and golf is a huge passion for me. So it was, you know, it's like a kid in the candy store doing that. And it was, I can say to this day, it's, it's the best experience I've ever had in my life. I'm getting to travel and getting to see uh, all these amazing golfers and um, do something that's, that's very unique and something that I don't think very many people will be able to do. Yeah, I think it's so cool that you had the opportunity to do that, especially since I know how much you love golf and how good you are at it. It'll be one of those things you'll look back on your life and be like, what the hell? That was incredible. I'm so happy that I did that. And you've mentioned to me before about how it's also allowed you to return to the corporate world without any regrets and giving you a new perspective. You know, I, I and I say this to, to Louise a lot is that had I not taken the year and a half off to pursue becoming a pilot, I would have never appreciated or 
enjoyed the corporate world and that I do now. The fact that I can say, hey, I gave it my all, I tried to do it, ultimately I came up short, puts a new appreciation on working the quote-unquote nine-to-five grind now. In hindsight, it was probably a great decision that that I didn't get in, but I, I don't think I would have had that perspective uh, had I never tried. It would have always been in the back of your mind thinking, I wish I had done this, I wish I had done that. And again, something that uh, is probably hard for uh, Louise to uh, see is that you know you, everyone's always looking short term, short term, and short term. But again, ultimately, you're going to be so much happier knowing that you're giving this a try. I know that after you tried to become a pilot, you packed up everything in Halifax and moved to Toronto for a new job, which can be very risky and very scary for people leaving their comfort zone behind. Can you talk a little bit about that? And do you think taking risks is an important thing to do to progress in life? In some ways, I I am a very risk adverse person, but in some ways, I am, you know, a very risky person. So it it, it kind of depends on the situation. In, in terms of moving to a new city or taking a new job, I think, you know, I am quite a quote unquote risk taker. Line my dad always says is, "What's the worst that can happen? The worst that could happen me moving to Toronto is that it didn't work out and I'd move home and or move back to Halifax and." nothing would be different. But again, there's there's a whole upside of things that if it did work out like it has so far, it's uh, it's quite a good thing. As Louise whispers, you met me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, it, it certainly has, uh, it has paid off uh, moving to Toronto for sure. I also want to ask you your thoughts on writers, creatives, or any entrepreneur who has to work for themselves and works from home a lot. I know the grass is always greener, and some days there are times where I really miss getting dressed up in a power suit or going for after work drinks with coworkers. And then I always hear people in the corporate setting say, oh, it'd be so nice to work from home. You just get to sit around in your pajamas and watch Netflix, which might be true for some people, but it's definitely not true for me. Do you think that you could work from home or do you really enjoy the collaborative environment you get from working in an office? I think it takes a very special person to be able to work from home. I used to work a, a job where I had the ability to work from home and I found myself not being able to concentrate. You know, it would be like, you know, let me just go watch like 15 minutes of Sports Center here or let me go grab a snack in the kitchen or, oh, you know what, it's three o'clock, it's not busy, I'm just going to take off somewhere. So I think I, I've learned that I'm, I need that team and office culture to be able to be productive, certainly appreciate and can understand the the struggles of, you know, being alone and being home, uh, basically, the entire day, and the amount of self will that it can take to to really put in, let's say eight or nine hours of of actual work because there is so many distractions. You don't have a boss to be accountable for. You don't have someone checking up on you to see if x y or z is done so that's where i think it can be very difficult to to be isolated well speaking of isolation as you know i go into hibernation mode often where i don't talk to anyone for days in real life or on the phone which can be really frustrating for friends and family they think i'm a bitch and just ignoring them which isn't the case it's just part of my process and it's the only way i can actually get real work done 
But I do know that when you're in a relationship, it can be especially challenging on both parties. So what do you think when I go into these writing caves and hibernation mode? Do you think I'm nuts? And how do you think it affects a relationship positively or negatively? I think I'm more impressed with the fact that you can do that and you are doing that versus being mad or being sad that uh, that I can't talk to you every you know two hours or, or however long it is but I think that just kind of goes back to our personalities being very compatible and the fact that you know we we talk about this a lot is that we're both very independent people you we don't need the you know self affirmation or if I don't talk to you in an hour you're wondering if I'm mad or something like that because I know plenty of people who are in relationships where you know they're literally on their phones all day texting each other and it's like what can you guys possibly be talking about like, <laughs> nothing has changed in the last two hours I mean I, I think that that's where we're kind of on the same page is that you know obviously I love talking to you and we love and I love hanging out but it's one of those things where I hope so. <laughs> where you know I, I certainly appreciate and I, and I know how hard it is on you and the fact that to to get to the level that I'm sure your writing needs to get at, you really need 100% focus and to kind of block out the outside distractions. So I've learned not to worry when I try calling you when it goes right to voicemail because I just know you're on airplane mode. I certainly don't take it personally when you say I need I need three or four days or however long it's going to be to to hunker down and and get some good writing down because you know i'm very impressed by it rejection is another huge part of the writing process it's something that i signed up for but it definitely doesn't make it any easier you've had to unknowingly take on this role of therapist writing coach cheerleader that i'm sure you didn't anticipate and what i want to know is how do you handle that when i'm having an existential crisis and how can other people support writers when they're going through these moments of self-doubt i think it can be tough you know as because as much as i love you it's 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 difficult seeing so much rejection when i know how hard you work day in and day out so it's that's that's the hard thing on me is that i can't probably say as i wanted as much as you but i'm pretty damn close because again i i understand how how hard you work at it and how many hours and dedication you put into it but in terms of <laughs> being a therapist i mean <laughs> i think that just goes uh, that just goes with the territory no matter what job you have you're gonna have good and bad days that's for sure but i think what's probably so frustrating is that and again we talk about this a lot is that you could be five percent of the way there you could be 99 percent of the way there you just don't know where you're at in the process. So I think that's that's the mental struggle for you is that everything that you've done in your life, there's always been the positive confirmation. You're doing a good job. You here's your raise. Here's your bonus. You know that sort of thing. And 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 I think that we're programmed to really appreciate that sort of feedback. So when there when, when there is no feedback and there's just email after email, pitch after pitch. You don't know if you're if the change you're doing is good, if it's bad. That's where I can understand why there are the bad days that you have because there's just no one there saying, Great job. All it takes is one 
approval and your gold. Yep, you're right. Sometimes all it takes is just one person and you're skyrocketing to success. And part of writing and the reason why most writers do it is because they want people to read it. They need readers. And it's such a weird, different landscape these days. You need an author platform. Social media is huge and it's actually a large part of a book proposal, which I don't know if a lot of people know. I'll definitely talk about that more in-depthly in another chapter, but social media is the new marketing. It's the new advertising arena, which is why I've become a little bit more active on it, even though, as I've mentioned before, I am an introvert. I know a lot of people probably don't believe that, but it's true. I still get self-conscious about posting on Instagram sometimes, but I'm trying really hard not to care what other people think, which is a lot easier said than done. One of the things that I love about you is you are such a private person and you don't need public affirmation to go about your day-to-day life, but how do you feel about being in a relationship with somebody who does need to have a social presence? You're featured a lot in my photos, you're on my podcast. How does that affect you? I certainly don't think I have a job in in podcasting anytime soon, but that's for sure. But (laughs) And hey, on the plus side, I have a lot of great pictures now that you've taken that I didn't have before. So that's, that's good. But yeah, it's, I I totally get that, you know, social media these days is so important to like reaching your, it has such a wide reach for anything you want, whether that's your book or clothing or whatever it might be. Social media is, you know, kind of the wave of the future. So I, I, I totally get it. You know, like you said, I'm, I'd, I'd like to think I'm kind of a private guy, but I don't think you're, you know, taking any kind of shots I wouldn't like to have seen in, in public or anything like that. So <laughs> I don't think, you know, my career is going to go down the drain by uh, by someone seeing one of your posts. It's, you know, usually us at dinner or a concert. <laughs> well, that's good. As one of the people that I trust the most and whose opinion I value the most, by dating me, kind of by extension, you're often the guinea pig for some of my writing and my first drafts. So how do you balance the art of being an honest critic without crushing my soul entirely? Well, you've only let me see the first chapter of your book, and I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, that's that's all the sample size I have right now to judge is I've been trying to pry the rest of the book out of your hands and I can't do it but I think I didn't give you the rest of the book because you were way too nice about the first chapter and I was skeptical I was like he's too biased so that's why I have to give it to other beta readers who aren't as close to it maybe well my next question for you is you're always there for me helping me read drafts or calm me down when I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed and you also work in a very stressful industry now, which is the elevator industry. For those who don't know Jeff, he works in commercial sales uh, for Otis. So he does the CN Tower, the Eaton Center, First Canadian Place, all these big commercial buildings around Toronto, specifically kind of the downtown core. And I know you're very humble about this, but I think I have the right as your girlfriend to brag that you're the number one sales guy for Otis in the country, which is amazing. But that being said, you have a lot of pressure to maintain these high-profile buildings and influential clientele, so you're always on call with them 24-7. Anyway, I really wanted to make a joke about there's no elevator to success. You must take the stairs, but I know you would just roll your eyes and not answer me. (laughs) But the question is, how do you maintain your sanity? How do you stay balanced? And how do you handle these stressful situations? Fermented grapes. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think with my work-wise especially, we have such a good group of people who work in our office. And again, this is back to why it can be so hard to be a writer and alone is that we're all going through the same struggles, you know, as an office. So it's, you know, customers are always angry at you or you're dealing with the same stress in that, you know, having a team that's going through that same stress is so important because you can, you know, they understand and you can talk to them and, you know, sympathize with them and drink with them or whatever it is because they're going through the same thing. Being a writer, unless you're seeking out other writers who are doing that, it's just a very solitary profession. Yeah, you're right. That's so true. And something you don't really know until you're actually in it, how much you appreciate having other people to confide in about your struggles and who get it. I also think in general, you're just a very optimistic person. You don't really get too stressed, at least outwardly. And if you do, you're logical about it and you know it's going to pass or you just go to the driving range and take it out there. I only have a few more questions and then we can go to Odd Soul for dinner. But kind of back to the hibernation thing, I have to say no a lot and I f- the worst part is that I feel really guilty about it. So I waste time feeling guilty about saying no. And it's also it's a really hard thing to explain to people because they think, oh, writing, you, you have so much free time, you can just write and then come back. But that's not really the case. So one thing that I admire about you is that you're so good at prioritizing yourself and doing exactly what you want to do. You don't worry what other people think and you don't waste time feeling guilty. So can you kind of talk a little bit about that? I think that it goes down to, you know, on on one hand, I don't have a lot of groups of friends that maybe require a lot of attention or effort in the friendship probably my my best friends probably live in halifax i i I wouldn't say that i have a lot of friends but i would say that i have a you know a select few good friends that don't require a lot of upkeep so you know i i don't get a lot of texts yeah i wish we could go back to the days when we were kids sometimes and just knock on your friend's door bike down to their house and not rely so much on texting to maintain relationships because I'm really bad at that. All right, so the last question that I want to ask you is what do you think are three traits that make for a healthy relationship when you're dating somebody in a non-traditional job, like a writer, like an entrepreneur, or a creative? I think first and foremost, being independent would be the number one trait that I think we both have. And I don't think that it would work if one of us had it and the other didn't because like we talked about when you go on these you know three or four day hibernation writing binges not that i don't like seeing you you know i i I have other passions and other interests that you know can can certainly keep me happy and that's not a slight on yourself or it's not a slight on us i think it's healthy that we both have passions that don't necessarily need the other person and again, I, I see a lot of other people who they're only happy if they're with their partner. And I don't think that is healthy. So independence for sure. And, and, and we always talk about, you know, Lou, I, I need a Jeff night tonight. And we always say, or Lou will say, I need a Lou night tonight. And I think it's also important that you don't take that as, again, a slight on you or us it's just the fact that 
you or or you know take me for example i just need a night i had you know it's been a busy last few days all i want to do is go on the coach watch sports center or watch golf or whatever it is and just sit back relax not talk to anyone and then go to bed and i think those times are important in the fact that you get a night where it's just yourself you don't have to worry about anything else but just relaxing shutting your brain off and that's it the next trait i would probably say is and this is very cliche but it's probably trust in the fact that again being a writer it's very isolating you need your time you need your alone time you know i don't think that i'm worried that if i don't see you in four or five days that the next time i see you you're not gonna like me or you cheated on me in those four or five days like i don't not one percent of my brain steers towards that last but not least i would say is just having fun i think you know whether we're out drinking and getting McDonald's at 1 a.m. or we're uh, cooking dinner together or whatever it is. I think we always enjoy each other's company and we have fun, whatever it is. And again, that can be anything from watching the game or cringing through The Bachelorette or anything like that. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for being my first ever male guest yeah. on the Word Weaver podcast. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Happy two years. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you again. Do you have any final words to say? What was the question again? Thanks for having me. This has actually been a lot of fun. And uh, maybe it'll be a t- part two one of these days when you're famous. <laughs> and that's all she wrote for chapter four. As always, you can find the show notes at louiseclairjohnson.com slash podcast. And you can follow along on Instagram at wordweaverpodcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe and definitely leave a review in iTunes. That's how more people can find out about the Word Weaver podcast. Until next time. I had to wait with words for a while.